0: As we get rolling here today, starting kind of the third week in our series here about growing in wisdom, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever noticed how satisfying it is when pride finally catches up with somebody? I know that may not be the question you expected to hear from the pastor starting the sermon today, but I think we've got to admit there is something that's sort of that feeling that goes along with watching justice finally be visited on somebody. I don't mean that you love to watch people suffer. I'm not trying to pin that on you. I just mean there is something satisfying about that feeling. It's, it's that feeling you get when you finally pass uh, the car that's been passing everybody else on the highway, irregardless of speed, and they suddenly have blue lights behind them. And you're just like, it's that feeling of like, just a good thing that just happened back there. Or maybe uh, like that moment when Marty McFly's dad finally, like, just clocks Biff, the antagonist, from Back to the Future and just lays him out with, like, one glorious punch. you just like, just a good feeling. Like, just watching that, that bully just get laid low. Proverbs actually says that, like, this is exactly how that works. There's something right in how that feels because there's something that's wise and true about pride being laid low. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It's the setup for the fall. It's the setup for destruction. And like I said, I don't think we want to watch somebody honestly get destroyed, but I don't think it, you have to think about it too hard to think that pride and arrogance is a bad thing. It just, it, it doesn't wear well on people. Humility wears much better and in fact turns out to be a much wiser way to live, so, you know, that's a great lesson, right? For all the prideful people out there, I guess maybe I should just pray right now and we can just kind of leave and go, like, that's great. Well, the thing is, we don't often see when we're the proud ones, which is where all this comes home in a fresh way. It's that it's that rationalizing that we say to ourselves, I wasn't speeding, I was, I was driving tactfully in that moment, you know, or, or that idea of like, I don't… The reason I don't like all their ideas is because they're always wrong, like, that's that feeling of like, you know what, we aren't necessarily seeing it as pride, it's more like reality to us. That's, that's when you're most blind to pride, is when it's just, it is the way that it is. It's the way that I see it. And we all like to think of ourselves as one way, but reality is often here to remind you that your ego is bigger than you think. In fact, take a look at this and remember the painful side of what it means to be humbled in moments. Watch. That's humbling right there. And it's weird, as you look at that, I know it's trucks hitting a bridge, but we live in a time and place where people's pride is stopping them in their tracks in life. These people march along, they look strong, they look confident, they look invincible, and then suddenly they run into reality and something gets sheared off the top of their lives. And I'm not just talking about politicians our athletes, celebrities out there. I'm talking about our coworkers, our neighbors, our family members. At one point, they appeared so strong, like they just had it all together. And that's what pride is. Pride is a choice that puts you on the path to appearing strong, to appearing invincible. Until you eventually run into reality, that is. And that's one of the reasons that Proverbs really rails On pride all the time is because it doesn't grant you true enduring strength. Pride doesn't hold your life steady when challenges come. It doesn't bring the best out of you, it doesn't bring the best out of everyone around you, and in the end, it doesn't lead to a thriving life. It leads to the appearance of one. Proverbs says, The wisdom actually gives all those things that I just talked about. Wisdom does lead to thriving. It does lead to a solidity. It it leads to the strength, and it emanates to those around you. And humility is the key to accessing the true strength of wisdom. But that's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? It's counterintuitive to start with humility if you're trying to get to strength, right? It doesn't always play out that way. It doesn't seem that way, but that's where the wisdom of the Bible and of God Himself often runs counter to what our world says. Check out 1 Corinthians 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God works counterintuitively, and He says, start at humility. Humility is what our world says is weakness. It's when you are kind of brazen and open about your imperfections, your flaws, your vulnerabilities. Wisdom says, start there. Just go ahead and be like, that's your foundational point right there. And it just runs so counter to the way that our world says. Because we, I think our world actually likes the idea of humble people. We like the idea. We value being humble. But have you ever noticed how no one likes to be humbled? If it's something we value so much, it feels like every step towards being actually humble would be good. But we don't like that feeling. How do you get from valuing Humility, which I think is a value here in our culture, not only here at Gateway, but even kind of in uh, our country. It's just like we value humility. But how do you actually get from the value to becoming humble? And then how do you actually get that wisdom that Proverbs talks about? Rather than crash into reality over and over again, you could choose to practice humility. You could cultivate that choice to be humble. In fact, think of the choice to be humble, kind of like a seed. If you think about it like this, a seed is this perfect picture of weakness. It's vulnerable. It's, it's weak. It's just kind of defenseless. It seems pretty helpless in many ways. Now, there's a lot of potential uh, inside the seed waiting to be realized, but it has to die first. It has to go through its own humbling process. You have to take it, stuff it down into the dirt. You have to give it this little burial, and then it goes from seemingly small to really forgotten. It's just sort of buried and lost, so to speak. That's how seeds actually work. And Jesus actually described this process as a metaphor for your spiritual life, especially when it comes to humility. John 12 says, "'Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies,' it bears much fruit those who love their life lose it and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life jesus is saying if you don't cling to your life enough to hold on to it but you'll bury it if you'll allow it to be right sized down to the what it was meant to be if you'll allow it to be humbled there's fruit that comes from that this is a lesson you see over and over from jesus as he teaches dying to self is the path to true life. Weakness is the path towards strength. It's these counterintuitive ideas. In fact, one of Jesus' brothers and eventually one of His own disciples, James, put this choice pretty succinctly. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord and leave the elevating to Him, leave the growing, the the lifting up to Him. Don't make a practice of elevating yourself. Those, that's when something gets sheared off the top of your life because you usually kind of prop yourself up a little higher than you were meant to. Leave that to God. Humble yourself. We talked about that a little bit last year, about not waiting for something or someone to humble you, but why don't you just go ahead and humble yourself and not crash into something that's ahead. From that humility, God will bring something strong and true to life in you that story of humility makes me think of my friend Tim. Uh, Tim uh, was from Philadelphia, uh, from West Philadelphia, born and raised on a place. Sorry, it's, I think of that every time I think of Tim. Uh, he really was from Philadelphia, and, uh, but he, it was a hard place, and, and, and kind of the, the, where he was born into life was not easy. And so Tim learned pretty early on, you kind of have to survive by your wits. And he had good wit. I mean, he was fast on his feet. He was a fast thinker, fast talker. And that sort of emerged actually into a talent for hip hop. Uh, He could rhyme. He he, he was really good at it, actually. And so he started really kind of investing in this whole idea. And sort of by default, because of who he was and how he was operating in the scene that he was in, he became a self-promoter. If you think about that, not only did he have to promote his own music and his own style and all this sort of stuff, but actually all of his rhyming and all of his songs were about him and about how awesome he was going to be and the things he was going to do and the people he was going to lay low and all this. That was who he was. That was his style. That was, and he kind of be- developed this like larger than life persona. I mean, he became so grandiose in the way that he, he, you know, he rhymed and he talked and he lived his life. He seemed like, you know, he was just kind of on this up and up until… Tim ran into reality, kind of at the top of his game, the top of his life, got sheared off in a rather violent collision with alcohol, and he had to really come to terms with the fact that he wasn't all that he thought he was, and alcoholism was really going to steal a lot more of his life than he ever planned to. It was kind of in that process as he was thinking through, how do I… Uh, reorient in life that I ran into Tim. He was going to the church that I was a part of at the time. He wound up coming in. You know, he was coming, coming from an Alcoholics Anonymous perspective of looking for a higher power, and he collides with this Jesus guy. I mean, he, starts, he comes into our church, and he starts listening to people talk about Jesus. He hears people's experience. And sooner or later, he kind of starts putting the pieces together to go, you know what, I think Jesus is the higher power, and I really want to put my trust in him. I want to follow him. I don't want to be a self-promoter in my life. I'd love for my life to move towards promoting Jesus, actually, kind of lifting up the one who is worthy of being lift up. And so, he came to that moment. I remember really clearly, he had a humbling moment. And it was really clear to Tim that he had to sort of die to that self-promoting lifestyle. And it was very much woven around who he was. But he realized that Jesus, a life following Jesus, was incompatible with a life chasing after Tim, so to speak. And so, he made the choice to bury his ego down in the ground and to sort of trust God with the elevating process, to die to an old life and to start over. There's something about Tim's life, maybe because of just kind of the life that he lived and the, the, the obvious self-promotion in it that makes it easy to see pride. But like I said, what's harder is seeing it in ourselves, isn't it? Where are you, where are you a like, self-promoter? In life, I don't, maybe, maybe it's not as grandiose as Tim, but like when it comes to your intelligence and your ideas, you know, that you're the one promoting those, you're the, ones, you're, you're the one, you know, kind of giving credence to your own ideas and lifting up, making sure they're out there, making sure people know who had that idea, making sure that people hear you on that. Or maybe for you, it has to do with the way that you look. You wouldn't walk around kind of saying, you know what, here, look at me, look at me. But in the way you dressed, in the way that you value your appearance, the amount of energy, time, money that goes into it, it's kind of nurturing this thing that actually the scriptures call vanity. And it's this pride that goes into appearance. And it's like, look at me without saying, look at me. And sometimes pride and self-promotion can even get into funky things that would seem good, like your kids. So many of us as parents end up kind of pointing to our kids as a way of pointing to ourselves. We we lift them up so that we can kind of be lifted with them and their accomplishments, their achievements. Look at them. Look what they do. We walk around promoting them, and we think it's them-focused, but it actually is just so that the glory sort of reflects back on our ego a little bit. There's a lot of ways self-promotion can sort of creep into the way that we live. Proverbs calls us to make the choice to be humble. But a choice to be humble is just a choice. It's just a seed in the ground. So how do you practice the humility that we all say we value? How do you cultivate that choice? Well, a seed buried in the ground is just a seed. And it actually needs one thing above all others in order for it to grow. The seed needs water. And with this steady sort of consistent diet of water, a seed becomes something dramatically different over time. Left to itself, it just stays in the ground, but it needs attention. It needs focus. It needs this water to actually become. And Proverbs says, While your choice to be humble is like a seed, there is a foundational practice. There is a keystone habit that can water that choice to be humble in your life. And it's as simple as listening. Listening. Look at this. Proverbs, almost like tongue-in-cheek at this point, says this in Proverbs 17. Even fools who keep silent are considered wise. When they close their lips, they are deemed intelligent. I love that. It's like this sort of like crack on just being quiet. Like just shutting up tends to make you look smarter is really what it's getting at. If we'll just be quiet. Now imagine if you actually paid attention to what was being said, not just looking the part. Just like this steady, consistent watering makes a seed grow, Proverbs hints at this idea that a steady, consistent practice of listening makes the seed of humility grow grow in your life. It's a pretty cool picture of what gives life. In fact, I wanted to kind of challenge you on like three different fronts about why the practice of listening gives birth to humility in our life. It produces something truly strong. First, listening opens you up to new ideas. Listening opens you up to new ideas. Proverbs 15 verse 22 says, without counsel, plans go wrong, but with many advisors, they succeed. It's pretty simple. The idea is that there are important ideas you need, but you'll never come up with them on your own. They're just ideas. There's ways of seeing life that you're not going to think about. That's not who you are. That's not the way you are, but somebody else is, and their thoughts, their experiences, their ideas will sharpen you and make you better. Other people think different thoughts and make you stronger if you listen. They fill in your gaps. I wouldn't have seen that. Or they startle you with a new possibility. Like, are you kidding me? I, wow, I never would have put those two things together like that. Thanks for speaking up. They force you to approach something from an entirely different angle. But if you don't make a practice of listening, you don't catch these things. If your ears aren't open, then you'll never absorb those ideas that make you stronger. Case in point, I don't know if you know this, but our teaching process that goes into this moment every single week is a process that is filled with feedback and input from other people. Our teachers conceive of these ideas together. We work them through. Uh, We share kind of the ideas, and we get input and ideas on it. Uh, Just this past Thursday, I sat and kind of walked through this entire message with some team members just to get their input in that. Just to be really clear, uh, there's a verse that I already gave you that I would have given you the wrong Scripture verse if it wasn't for somebody speaking into my life. Just as simple as that. They, and But more than that, they inform these ideas. They make them sharper, and I try to listen. All of us as teachers are trying to listen to each other so that what we are bringing to you is better. And frankly, it works every single time. I'm a better teacher because of the input that I listen to that goes into every one of these talks. So that's one. Second, listening keeps you from making mistakes. Kind of like hand in hand here. I love how Proverbs 10:17 says whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but the one who rejects a rebuke goes astray. Listening keeps you from making mistakes. Just by listening to what other people say and paying attention to what other people have done, you can avoid a world of hurt. life. Maybe you've heard that old uh, saying that, you know, uh, experience is the best teacher, but it doesn't have to be your experience. The only way you catch that is if you're listening, listening to what people say, listening to what they don't say, sometimes watching and paying attention. You can start to glean the wisdom of the people around you. The more we draw on the collective wisdom of the people that have been placed in our lives by listening to them, we decrease the pain quotient in our life, which sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Like, do I really need more pain in my life? I could decrease that just by choosing to listen. Now, even if it was just for these two reasons alone, this whole idea of new ideas and reduced mistakes. That would be worth implementing listening as like a new life practice, okay? Because just think about it. If you're, if you're growing in life by accumulating more new ideas, ideas you never would have come up with and they're getting sharper and better and you're avoiding less mistakes at the same time, your batting average in life is gonna get better just by sheer time and experience. Like you're just gonna get better and better. You're gonna get stronger over time. But beyond just even the batting average, There's another important reason why listening runs to the core of working against pride in our life. Number three is listening removes you from the center of your attention, which is really the whole battle with pride. Pride is essentially self-focus, and listening positions you away from yourself. You have to listen and focus on someone else, and listening reminds you you are not always the most informed person. It reminds you, you are not always right. And it reminds you that you don't have to be either one of those things to be valued and important, certainly in the sight of God, but also to the people around you. In fact, I think it really warrants thinking about a little bit closer. If you were to, to, to sort of uh, analyze your speaking over the past week, how much of our speaking is to make sure we get our way. I have to speak up here because I'm not sure what you're going to do with my idea or you're going to do to me. I want to make sure that I get my way. I want to make sure that I am heard in this situation. I want to make sure no one just runs over me here in this given moment. We don't want to be listening all the time because that would be weak, right? Weak. See, our world lives on the assumption that strength is in being heard. It's in being seen, it's in getting things done. That's strength. But Proverbs, it says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but the prudent are restrained in speech. Restrained doesn't mean you never talk, it just means you're thoughtful about what you say and you spend a lot time a lot of time listening. But I think like we've been talking, how do you cultivate that choice? How do you practice that? I think you might be surprised how difficult it is to practice listening. In fact, if you're up for a challenge, uh, hopefully this could become a practice that really goes on and on throughout your life. But even if you just want to take me up on this for the next week, I kind of like double dog dare you to try some of these practices, all right, just over the next week. What if you tried this? Let people finish before you speak. No interruptions. Like you stop yourself rather than interrupting no matter who it is and if it's a small child or whether it's your boss or whether it's your spouse or your friend or whoever, just let them finish before you try to say something. If you're like, dude, I got that one mastered. Well, how about don't formulate your response while someone is still speaking? Huh? Not thinking through what you're gonna say so that you're missing what they're saying. What if you just let them say everything they're gonna say and then let me actually respond to you? Or maybe try this one. Again, you don't have to do all of them, just pick one. Invite someone to speak first before you. Rather than rushing to get your viewpoint in, what if you just said, no, go ahead. No, please. Go ahead. Say what you wanted to say. What if that was just a default pattern that you worked in over the next week? I'm not going to be the first to speak. I'm just going to let somebody else go first. Or what about the other end of the conversation? What if you choose not to have the last word? How about that one? Like, when you know you've got the final sort of ringer to this conversation and you just go, you know what, I'm going to internally practice the discipline of not having the last word right now, even though it was a really good one. Like, you know, what if you just, all right, like, let them have the last word. Okay, that's it. What if, and this may be especially a challenge for some of you men out there, what if you asked for more information when someone was talking? tell me more rather than telling them what you think. You know, like, what if, what if you just built that in of like, when, right when you're done going, I'm ready to be done with this conversation. Tell me more. Tell me more. Like, just to develop this posture of listening a little bit. Might be more challenging than you think. Or what about this? Practice silencing your opinion when it's not necessary. Like, just because somebody brought up something about the news or some sports team or the way this food tastes, this or that, and you have a clear opinion, what if you just chose to go, you know what? I don't have to have my opinion. I could just listen to what they said and not have to weigh in on that. And perhaps maybe the the challenge for a lot of us out there, uh, social media silence, a place where we love to dangle our opinions out there. What if you just went silent for a week and just listened? to what other people are saying without having to weigh in on it. Those are just some ideas, okay? You, maybe you have your own thoughts, but practicing listening comes down to really practical choices like that. Now, a quick word here before you just run out and implement those. None of those, none of those are meant to be legalistically applied, okay? It's easy to twist Proverbs. It's really easy to twist Jesus' teachings into legalisms where like, I always have to do it this way. I always have to do it. That's not the case. Sometimes it is right to speak up, and it's right to speak up loudly. I'm not trying to say be silent when the right thing to do is to speak up. That's legalism. You're like, ah, I said I wouldn't say anything. There's moments where your speaking is really called for. I'm not trying to give you rules to follow. It's practices to develop humility, to water the seed. These practices are meant to create uh, an inner space in your life where you can actually listen You don't have to go around broadcasting this. I'm not going to have the last word here because I'm listening. Like, (laughs) it doesn't work. You want to just have this. You know what? I am doing this. No one else has to know. I'm not going to speak up here or there. I'm choosing to create some space. I'm going to apply this thoughtfully, not rigidly along the way. Others of you, though, and this is, again, I want to say a quick word here. Others of you may not need these lessons at all in silence because you hide behind silence. There are some of you that are afraid to be heard because you're afraid of what others might think or do. And can I tell you something? That too is pride. That is just self-focus. And your silence is a mask for that pride. You might need to risk yourself a little more and speak up if you're going to cultivate humility. Remember, wisdom is not usually about hard and fast rules, it's about an approach that generally leads to the best outcomes. So, what does the practice of listening lead to in life? This tiny seed receives consistent watering over time, it becomes something else entirely. Our choice to humble ourselves when watered over time by a practice like listening becomes something else. It grows into something strong and enduring and breathtaking. In fact, it grows into wisdom, something that towers above us. I love how Proverbs 11 says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. This choice that started in humility with listening becomes something breathtaking. It would love this, for the sequoia, for a seed so small emerges something as massive as these sequoia trees. They tower above the forests. Their thick trunks protect them against wildfires. Their roots grow deep, and they hold them steady and strong, some of them for thousands of years. As you and I choose a lifestyle of humility, the accumulation of knowledge combined with the selflessness of listening forges wise character. In us, we become trustworthy people because our words are laced with wisdom and our actions are generally leading us down right good paths. Our lives thrive. There's this substance to our life that kind of insulates it and protects us even from some of the things that that go wrong. And all the while, there's this growth. In fact, wisdom brings with it something else, oftentimes unexpected. Proverbs 29 says, a person's pride will bring humiliation, but one who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Think about this, the honor that pride seeks to earn is freely given to those who are humble. The honor that pride seeks to earn from people by all its accomplishments, by its bravado, by all its things, that honor usually is never given to those proud people. It ends in destruction, but it is given freely to truly wise and humble people. We honor those people. We see the substance in their life. James' words prove true. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. Wisdom turns out to be true strength, and yet it emerges from such weakness by our world standards. So let me ask you this. Where are you in this process? from seed to watering to sequoia, are you careening down a path that's gonna land you in a crash? Like just like those trucks, you can see it coming, you're like, no, 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 slow down, slow down, slow down. Are you just barreling down a path right now thinking I've got all this together? Obviously he's talking to somebody else. Can I just give you a warning? The the seemingly strongest among us have missed this one. They never saw the crash coming because they never made the choice to pursue humility. Is that a choice that you need to make today? You could humble yourself, you could shrink your ego down to size and kind of put it down in the ground and let God take care of the elevating over time. <laughs> or have you made that choice somewhere maybe you've really you know I've made the choice to humble myself before God and I really want to grow in that but you've never really watered the seed with an active practice like listening like you've just been sort of crossing your fingers and God make me a humble person but it's never you've never walked through the process of being humbled cooperating with it watering it with a practice like listening do you need to readjust your speaking to listening ratio And just spend more time with your ears open, or have you made both of those choices? The humble thing—I get it. I'm trying to do that, and I'm—I really trying to water it with a a practice like listening, where I'm—I'm actively cultivating that humility. And you're somewhere between seed and sequoia. Can I say, don't grow weary of that process? God is growing something good, something enduring, something strong. In you, no matter how weak you may feel at times. Here's what I'd love for us to do as we conclude today. I just would love for you to stay seated. And I want you to listen to this song that's actually really kind of appropriate for where we are. And I want you to consider this question as you listen What is God wanting to grow in you? What does He want to grow in you? Because there's some strong, enduring, powerful things that emerge from even the humblest and weakest of things. And I encourage you, don't miss what God might be trying to plant in you today.